And uh, I'm excited to be up here teaching. It's been a while uh, since, uh, I feel, since we've been up here, since we've been in this room, since I got a chance to teach to you guys. And uh, I'm excited to jump in, to dive into this, this series with you guys. Uh, this is actually the last week we're covering it. Uh, and I think today, tonight's will be really helpful. Um, so, does anybody know why this series is called Repost? Anybody know? Who's been paying attention? Anybody? Anybody? You can just shout it out if you know. Johnny, why is this series called Repost? <laughs> no, this, these, the thing that we're talking about is the gospel, right? The things that we value, the things that we understand, the things that we see and that we know are important are things that we want to share. We want to show other people. That's why we got the little share symbol in the corner there. We want to tell others about these important things. And so today, we're going to be wrapping up this series called Repost. And uh, some of you guys know this, some of you guys don't, but actually as a church as a whole, we are be- doing a big evangelism push for like this whole year. Uh, I don't know if John, I can't remember if Johnny mentioned this in the past two talks, but if he did, I want to reiterate it. That this is something we're doing as Redemption Chapel. Uh, A big push to go out into our communities to tell others the truth of the gospel, to tell others what Jesus has done, and that we can be that light for the world. And so, you guys are not just like young people that go to Redemption Chapel. You guys are a part of the church as well. And so, our thought and our expectation is that you guys are doing this just the same way that the adults are. And so, as we're thinking about this, and as we're kind of processing this, this series works out perfectly. A series about the gospel, a series about sharing our faith and telling our friends about it. And we timed it, or Johnny timed it really well, because you guys are at least starting school. This is like the best opportunity to see people consistently, that you guys are going to be in your communities consistently. So... What we're going to do today is we are going to wrap this up. And if you guys remember, a couple weeks ago, Johnny started talking about the gospel. And he broke it down and said that God loves the world, that we need saving, Jesus saved us, and that Jesus offers hope. And then last week, Johnny talked a little bit about fears and some of the things that might pop up, some of these anxieties that might plague us. And ultimately, we talked about that those things, they don't hold anything to what the gospel is and the truth is. And so today, what I want to do is hopefully equip you guys to go out and actually tell people about Jesus, to tell people the gospel. The thing I hear the most is, I don't know how to tell others about Jesus. And so what I'm hoping today in the 25 minutes that I get with you is that I can give you guys some things to put in your back pocket so that when these things pop up or when you see the opportunity, you can go and you can have some of these conversations. And so before we jump into anything else, I want to look at what the Bible says. This is going to be very applicable, very practical, but what I want us to do is I want to see how does the Bible teach us about evangelism? How does the Bible show us what it looks like to tell others about Jesus? So we're going to look through a few passages today, and the first one that I want us to look at is the fact that Jesus meets needs and then points to himself. There we go. Jesus meets needs and points to himself. That Jesus was the ultimate evangelist. Which is weird because we're supposed to tell people about Jesus, so was Jesus telling people about himself? And the answer is yes. Jesus was telling people about himself. And he would go and he'd make an impact on somebody's life, and then they would go and he would say, the reason that this is important, the reason I've done this is because you need me. 
which is weird. It feels selfish, right? But if Jesus is the answer, if he's the ultimate one to look to in the midst of problems, then ultimately he's going to say, look to me. And so an example of this is we're going to be looking at John 4, and this story is often called the story of the woman at the well, right? Uh, this is about the a Samaritan woman that's at the well, and Jesus goes up to her, a woman that typically a Jew would not talk to, and even add on to that, he later reveals that it's a prostitute, that it's somebody that, he, that has been with many men that he says, who's your husband, and she can't answer because she's been with so many people. And a lot of this story is pointing to the fact that she feels shame or sadness towards what she's done, and Jesus saying, is saying that there's hope. But it goes on to say, I think it should, yep, it's on the screen. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell me all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Jesus takes this moment in this woman's life, and he shows that this is what you're feeling, this is what you're facing, but I'm the answer. That he fills this need for her and then says, the, uh, the reason I fill this need is because I will give you life. And the thing we learn from that is that Jesus is the answer. He will fill those needs, and to fill those needs means that we point to Jesus. The next thing is that Jesus tells stories. Jesus didn't just talk about himself directly. He would use stories and like narratives to help build a picture. I want to use an example here from Matthew 28. And this is the parable of the two sons. It says, what do you think? A man had two sons and he went to the first and said, son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But afterward, he changed his mind and went. And he went to the other son and said the same. And he answered, I go, sir, but did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father, they said? The first. Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go to the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even when you saw it, you did not afterward change your minds and believe him. We do this all the time. Johnny does this all the time. I do this all the time. The pastors on Sundays use stories, narratives, pictures, to be able to display something. That when we want to tell you guys about the gospel, we could just come up here and lecture, or we could use movie clips, or we could use stories from our lives, or we could make up this narrative that helps give you guys this good picture. And so when you guys evangelize, when you talk to your friends, sometimes the best way is not just to like speak at them and tell them things, but give them a picture, help them to understand, to develop. Jesus did that all the time. Another story we're going to look at is about Philip. Philip presents the gospel to those who we would expect to talk to the least. That there's this guy in the book of Acts, and he is somebody that we would call Philip the Evangelist. He doesn't pop up a ton in the scriptures, but in this book, we look at, he's telling people about Jesus. He's telling people about what Jesus has done. And the thing that's interesting about this, Jesus is gone, 
And so instead what Philip does, instead of just like standing somewhere where in like a general spot where people are just going to hear him, he goes to the places where people would least expect. Let's look at this next story here. This is from Acts 8. But there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. But when they believed Philip, as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued with Philip and seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. He went to somebody that was trying to trick people into believing him. He was, this Simon was this magician that was going out and was saying, look at me, look at these great powers I can do, look at these amazing things that I have, these awesome abilities. And whether he was trying to trick people, or maybe he was tapping into something a little bit darker, we don't know, but he was trying to deceive people into saying, look at these great abilities I have. And then Philip shows up and says, let me tell you about something better, someone better. And even in that moment, they were all looking to Simon because he could do these amazing things. And instead, they were drawn to Jesus. Simon, the one that was tricking them, took a step back and said, no, this is better. This is right. To go to the people we think that would be the least likely to listen is important. That's something that happens throughout Scripture all the time, whether it's with the disciples or with Jesus. To go to the people that we least expect is important. There's one more thing I want to look at. Paul, who was this man that wrote a big chunk of the New Testament, towards the end of his life, he was writing to his, the person that was following him. His name was Timothy. And when he was writing to him, Timothy is, is part of this church, and he's leading this new church, and Paul wants to equip him. And Paul is basically telling him that the word is sufficient for itself. That the word is enough. Second Timothy says this. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. He's basically saying, you can try everything. You can do everything that you need to, and some people aren't going to listen. There's people that are going to go off and they're going to do their own thing. But the thing is, you can't change people's hearts. You could do everything you can in your power to try to tell somebody that Jesus is enough, but you're not the one that's going to change hearts. And what Paul starts out with here saying, he's telling this to a man that's leading the church, but this goes for you guys as well. Preach the word. Tell people about the word of God and what he's done. That is sufficient. That is good enough. You guys don't have power to change hearts, but that's on God. All we're called to do is tell people about him. And so he's kind of encouraged them and pushed them to go in this direction. And these are a bunch of different stories and narratives and ways that people have evangelized in the Bible. But what about us? What about you guys in the context you're in? These things are helpful, these thoughts are helpful, but you guys are in a very different context than in the time when the Bible was written. 
And so what do you guys need to keep in mind when you guys are starting to think about sharing your faith with your friends? So there's a few things that I want to go through. The first thing is that this will be awkward. Who, like I want us to be honest, and I'm going to raise my hand because I feel this. Who feels awkward when they're telling somebody about what they believe? Be honest. Look around the room. You are not alone if you're feeling that. I feel awkward when I do it. I mean, I've been on enough mission trips where I've had to share my faith with people that the first time you walk up to them, super weird. It's so weird because they think you're like selling something. And I'm like, I swear I'm not unless I'm selling you the gospel. Can I get an amen? Okay, <laughs> okay. I didn't know if you guys were actually responding. I just said that. Um, it's weird, right? Like people typically don't want you to go up to them and just start telling them about what you believe. And you don't have to do that. But they're going to feel awkward. You're going to feel awkward. And if you can push through that awkward, if you could just keep in mind, this is going to be weird, and that's okay. Because it's worth it, right? It's worth it to tell your friends about the saving work of Jesus. It's more worth it to do that than to feel awkward and say, no, I'm not going to do that. The next thing is never shove it in their face. <laughs> never shove it in their face. Something I tell our young adults at Next, and uh, I tell people at a Redemption Academy course all the time, is do not be theological buttheads. Do not be theological buttheads. That's the last thing you want to do. Because what you could go up to somebody and, is, and say is, like, hey, like, uh, you, sh you should listen to what I have to say. And if you don't listen to what I have to say, I mean, that's fine. But I'm going to be with God forever, and you're going to hell. So, uh, you know, uh, maybe you should listen, you know? I feel like that probably wouldn't go over well. It's probably already awkward. They probably think you're weird for saying this. And if that's how you're going to present things, it's not going to go well. So don't shove it in their face. Let them talk to you. Let it be a conversation. Don't let it be one of those things where you're just saying, you're going to sit down, you're going to shut up, and you're going to listen to me for the next 15 minutes. You want to hear from them. You want to dialogue with them. It doesn't have to be this big confrontational thing. It's just you sitting down to talk to your friends. And if they don't take it, if they don't run with it, that's okay. You did what you were supposed to do. If you go and tell them about what you believe, then you've done what you're supposed to do. The next thing is to never downplay the gospel. Never downplay the gospel. The hardest thing with this is the gospel can be a difficult thing to really come to terms with. There's truths, there's things that you might have to say you have to give up to be able to truly follow Jesus. It's like if you look at a, if you go to a restaurant and you look on the menu and you see a burger and you're like, that burger looks really good. It has like lettuce, onions, tomatoes. It's got like a secret sauce on it or something like that. And it looks real good. And then you, the waiter comes by and they're like, I would like this very awesome burger. But if you could take off the uh, lettuce and the onions and the tomatoes and the secret sauce, that would be awesome. You might get a burger, but it's not the burger that was on the menu. It's not the thing that you originally ordered. If you change the gospel so that it sounds more appealing, so that it sounds good for people, so that the hard stuff is gone, so that you don't have to be like, so you could be like, well, you may have to give up some of the things that you enjoy, but maybe not really. Like maybe you can let it slide kind of thing. That's not the gospel. See, what we are talking about here is we want to make the gospel attractive. We want to let people see this is good. 
And so our approach may look like, hey, we're going to do this as best we can so you can hear us out, but we're not going to change the gospel. We're not going to say, I'm going to compromise what's true from God's word for the sake of just somebody saying, no, that actually does sound pretty good. God will do that. He will take care of changing their heart. What What you need to do is just present it to them. Just tell them, but never, ever compromise the truth of God's word. Next thing, if you don't know the right answers, it's okay. One of the biggest worries that I hear is that people feel like they're disqualified because they're not able to, they don't know everything. They don't know their Bible from cover to cover. I'm going to tell you something right now. I don't know my Bible cover to cover, like, I feel like with a, when you go to school as much as we have, Johnny and I have, and like when you're, when you're working here as much as you, we are, like you, maybe that we should know it, but we don't because we're not perfect people. You guys are not either. And that's okay. If somebody comes to you and says something that maybe you don't know the answer to, it's always okay to say, I don't know. Let me go talk to somebody. Let me go read some and get back to you. If somebody says like, hey, the Bible says, if the Bible says that uh, I'm not allowed to be gay, and then they start pointing out passages that maybe feel like it contradicts, it's okay to say, all right, that, thanks for sharing that. I'm going to take a step back, and I want to talk to somebody about this. I want to figure this out, and we can talk about this later. I was talking to this dude that, worked at Star, that works at Starbucks, and we were talking a little bit about what I do, and we were talking a little bit about his faith, and he brought up something similar to that vein. He brought up some ideas I've never heard of. And I straight up told the guy, I'm like, I've never heard of that. I don't know how to respond to that, but I would like to. And so I got his email, and I met with Pastor Jared. We talked about some stuff, and I emailed him back, and it was a good conversation. It was a good back and forth. But I didn't know the answer. Hear me when I say that. It is okay if you can't answer right away. It's okay. The next thing is I want you guys to hear your friends out. So this point and the next point kind of like go hand in hand. So I wanna, I'm going to put both of them on the screen and talk about both of them. Hear your friends out. This is important. Think about your, your life. When somebody comes to talk to you, if they're just telling you about themselves and they're just telling you about all these different things that happen in their life, it, you start to kind of like fade out a little bit, right? You're like, okay, okay. Yeah, thanks for telling me. But if somebody asks you how you're doing, if somebody asks you what you're thinking, what you think about something, that means more, right? So they care. If you could go up to your friend and say, you may not believe what I believe, but I care enough to ask you, that's a big deal for that person. They want to be able to know that you care, that this isn't just something you're doing for a job, that the reason you're doing this is because you care about them so much. Hear your friends out. That's a big deal for them. Next thing is help them to see how God has impacted you. You guys are all sitting here for a reason. Some of you guys are sitting here because your parents make you come. Some of you guys are sitting here because uh, you're like, oh, my friends are there. Some of you guys are sitting here because you're seeking very real growth. Some of you, it's all of the above. But if you can bring this to your friends and say, God has changed me greatly that he has shown me light in dark moments, that I see the truth of his word, that can bring things to light for people. A lot of times these problems that people have with the gospel or with the Bible, when it really comes down to more of an emotional problem or some sort of hurt, 
It's not so much that they have a problem with what, it's, what the Bible says, but they want to know that somebody cares enough about them that they're going to hear them out and help them figure out those answers together. That's usually what people are looking for. And the last one, and this is, this last one, if, if you can do all these other things, this last one is very important. Is just do it. I could stand up here and I could list off like, Eight other different things, eight other tips or tricks to help you share the gospel. I could go up here and I could list off like a bunch of other stuff that I've read in the five evangelism books that I have sitting at my desk right now. But if you don't actually take the opportunity to go tell your friends about Jesus, then all those points go out the window. This is practical. This is hands-on stuff. And this, does, this isn't things like, I'm just going to go up to a random person on the street and talk to them. I would encourage you not to do that. Parents, if you're listening, I'm encouraging your students not to walk up to random people. But walk up to your friend and just, like, have a dialogue, have a conversation. Ask them how they're doing. Ask them where their life is at. And when they bring up moments of hurt, if they have a broken heart, if their parents are getting divorced, if they have crazy bad anxiety... Those are moments to show that Jesus is better than those things. If you have friends that maybe are living a life that's contrary to what you believe is right, you don't have to like shove things in their face, but to present yourself in a way that shows I value Jesus over partying and over drinking and over smoking, those are big deals. If you can represent Jesus well, that's good. But if you don't just go tell your friends about Jesus, those are missed opportunities. I think it's easy to say, you're right, Alex. I'm going to just do it. And the next month, I'm going to make a goal to talk to somebody. That's good. But what's better, if, what if you said, when I go back to school on Tuesday, I'm going to tell my friend about Jesus. I know what they're going through, and I know what the answer is. I'm going to tell them about Jesus. Don't wait till next week, don't wait till next month, don't wait till next year. If you can, do it tomorrow. These are your friends' lives, their hearts that are at stake, and I don't want you guys to miss this. Don't miss these opportunities. And here's the thing, don't feel shame or guilt if you feel like you missed an opportunity. God will do in their heart what he needs to. But if we're called to be a part of that picture, if we're called to be a part of this equation, that we have the opportunity to tell people, We should be doing it. God is faithful. He's good. He will do what he has to do. But if we're called to be a part of it, we need to actually be a part of it. So just do it. You guys could be making some amazing impact on your schools and your communities. So what does that look like? What are some things that you can actually like put in your back pocket? And my first one is kind of defeats the purpose a little bit uh, because it can't fit in your pocket. But my first one is the on mission board. Does anybody know what I'm talking about when I say this? The on mission board? Anybody? Anybody? Really? Really? Oh, all right. Thanks, Noah. There we go. It's the, it's the big one that we have down at the other end of the building. Yeah, that thing, right. The on mission board. We have, as, like I said at the beginning, we as a church are doing a big push to be on mission in our community. Stowe, Chicago Falls, Kent, all these other surrounding towns, to be an impact for the gospel. And if you need a motivation, if you need something like, I want to be able to actually figure out or like count, say like, I have done this for this person. This board is awesome. 
So there's different ping pong balls, if you don't know how this works, and they all, all the colors, they mean different things. So the white one, that means that you have done a service for somebody with the intention of going and sharing the gospel with them in the future. The yellow one means that you had a faith conversation, that you talked with somebody about the gospel, that you verbally told them the gospel. And the green ping pong ball, that one means that that person came to faith. And what you do is you write their initials on the ping pong ball and you drop it in. And it's already getting pretty full and we still have a good few months left. And so what I want you guys to do is take this opportunity to live out this challenge. We've been, we've been doing prayer times. That's kind of like our new thing we're doing here uh, at Redemption Youth. And next week at our prayer time, what we're going to do is we're going to have an opportunity to walk down to the wall on the other end of the building. And you guys are going to have a chance to write the initials of somebody that you've either had a faith service for with that, uh, with that white ping pong ball or better with that yellow one that you've actually told them the gospel. I would really encourage you to, by next week, be able to come in here and be able to say, I'm going to write my friend's initials. I'm going to write somebody's initials, my family member's initials, and drop that ping pong ball in there. That would be awesome. I, I have this picture in my head that would be that the, of redemption youth making this huge impact in our communities for the gospel. I would love to hear that. I would love to see that. And even if only two or three of you drop the ping pong ball in there next week, that encourages me so much. That would be amazing. But again, that's not something that you can actually put in your pocket, like I said. So I want to tell you about one more thing real quick, and that's called the three circles. The three circles is a way of telling somebody about your faith, about telling somebody about the gospel. You guys actually all have stickers at your table that have the uh, three circles method on there. And what I want to do is uh, my friend Tyler, who goes to church here, has recorded uh, a video about how to share the three circles method. So if you guys want to play that in the tech booth, that'd be awesome. So that was pretty quick, only a couple minutes, but I think there's benefit to that. That this isn't some complicated thing, that if you guys take those stickers and put it on your water bottle, put it on your laptop, put it on your phone, that if somebody sees it and says, what's that? It's an easy opportunity to tell them, well, let me tell you about the three circles, right? Um, it's an easy way to just draw it on a piece of paper, on a napkin, something like that. And if you're like, that was quick, I need that again, uh, that video, uh, I can send it to you. It's, it's linked on our uh, Young Adult YouTube page. We could probably find a way to send it to you guys. But uh, the three circles is a very easy thing to just put in your pocket and be ready to go. As we wrap up this series, I want to challenge you guys to take the On Mission Board seriously. That when next week comes around, that you've done your best to find an opportunity to share the gospel. Maybe you try and it just doesn't pop up. Good for you for trying. That's scary. It's hard. But if we can do that, if we can faithfully say, I'm going to do my best to go and share the gospel with a friend, with a family member, then you have done what God has called us to do. All right? So what we're going to do is we're going to go into, I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to go into uh, some discussion tables. All right? So if you guys want to bow your heads. Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for the opportunity that we get to dive into your word. Lord, let these examples from Scripture be something that seeps into our mind and remember that the importance and the value of sharing our faith. But as we think about just tips and tricks and things that are applicational, 
Lord, help us to remember the root of this is that our love for you and our care for you and the fact that the gospel matters so much to us because it changed us will motivate us to go tell our friends, to go tell them that there is something for them, that there's something to alleviate sin. Lord, I ultimately challenge us, push us, convict us, and make us better when it comes to sharing our faith because we never want to forget your son and his work on the cross. In the name I pray, amen.